Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, I'm Jonathan Moles, and you're listening to FT Startup Stories, a 10-part series in which I talk to founders about the challenges of growing a business. Richard Walton founded the global volunteering organisation GVI straight out of university. It quickly grew into an operation employing hundreds of people across dozens of countries. But a visit to the doctor prompted a drastic rethink, as Richard explains. I'd been running my first business, GVI, for about six years. And in the expectation of my first child, I went off to an insurance company to get life insurance. And they sent me off to a doctor for a medical check. And I sat down with the doctor, and he pretty much told me if I carried on working and living the way that I was, I'd be dead by the time I was 50. It was quite a shock, you know, to say the least. And I went back, and I chatted it through with my wife, and, you know, she said, well, you don't exercise. You sit at your desk for 15 to 16 hours a day. You've got a very bad eating habits, probably having a few too many glasses of wine in the evening. Basically, it's doing everything wrong. And also, it was still a relatively new business, and it was quite stressful. And so my wife knew I wasn't very keen on going to the gym or or running or things like that. And she said, what have you always wanted to do? And I said, well, I've always wanted to learn to surf. And um, I've got a very understanding wife, because with a four-month-old baby, we packed up and moved to Costa Rica with the intention of just spending six months there and really getting my life back in track. At that time, we had offices in Boston, in the United States, um, England, and in Melbourne and Australia. So even when I was in England, I was still traveling a lot. And it was still quite fragmented anyway in terms of, you know, we had a marketing person in Boston and a salesperson in Cape Town. And so I was on the phone most of the time anyway. So it was a challenge, but essentially we just did everything via Skype. And we had very strict ways in... um, how we kept in contact with everyone, what everyone was doing. So we had some pretty good systems in place for managing task lists and project management, um, very regular phone calls. But it is tough. You know, I remember things like the internet connection was still dial-up, so that was a real struggle, talking to people on the phone and things like that. But probably the thing that I did, which probably made it feasible, was that I got my core team out to Costa Rica once or twice a year for a meeting. But even so, that wasn't enough, actually. And in the end, I started moving my team out to Costa Rica with me. That was probably some of the happiest years of my life because I really had everything I wanted. I had my team in Costa Rica and I had the work-life balance. In some ways, I suppose that was an easy sell. It was an easy sell, but they didn't stay. You know, it's quite a hard place to live. Frequent power outages, water running out. We had one major earthquake when we were there. We'd probably have a tsunami warning every six months or so, and we'd all have to run up the top of the mountain in the middle of the night. It was quite an adventure. But those couple of years when I had everyone there was fantastic. You know, I realised actually how much better I could run the business with my team around me. 
we did all right remotely and actually in fact the business doubled in size when I was managing everyone remotely but I enjoy bouncing ideas off people and one of the things I love about business is sitting around and brainstorming and so having them with me was really good. It sounds like a sort of mixed blessing. Was the health actually uh, improving there or was the stress of separation? (laughs) It, it, It changed my life forever. You know, I got very, very fit. I think more importantly, I discovered a love of being fit and I started to understand how better I performed as a businessman, having good health. I think I'm a better father. I'm a better husband because of that if I exercise. So just knowing that was extremely valuable. And, you know, I took up other things... Where we lived, the community was very focused on good eating. So, you know, everything we had was fresh and organic. And those are things that we've taken with us. Um, I took up meditation. It was quite an alternative community, to say the least. And I, I enjoyed that. And it's really helped me, actually, as a businessman and a person, of course. About two years ago, I joined a group called the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO. It's one of the largest entrepreneur organizations as well. I think it's got 10,000 members around the world. And once a month, we meet together, where you're put into groups of about eight to 10. And we get together and we talk about issues that we're facing in our business and personal lives. And without a doubt, the thing that comes up nearly every single month is, is work-life balance and how we're all struggling with that and, and ways that we can improve our work-life balance. And I would presume a happy home life is good to a happy uh, Oh my God, oh yeah, life. yeah, no, absolutely. And It was hard for my wife. She didn't have the support structure as a young mother with family around her. But it absolutely does lead to a better home life as well. And as I think most people would agree with, is that if you feel happy at home and you feel happy inside, then you are so much more effective with your work. You didn't stay in Costa Rica. No. What happened? Well, it was extremely remote. And when we were there, we had four children. And they were pretty much turning into jungle rats and I mean there's nothing to do there apart from yoga and surfing and so when my oldest got to about seven my wife was homeschooling four children we kind of decided then that it was time to move on and we had a lot of choices my wife is from the US I'm from England but we did have a quite a big base in Cape Town because during the last recession when we had our offices in Boston London and Melbourne Things got extremely tough at one point, and we had to make some you know, dramatic decisions, and I had to close down all those offices. And I centralised everything in Cape Town because the cost of business there is so yeah. much less salaries and things like that. So I actually had quite a big base there. And most importantly, one of the big struggles I had in Costa Rica is that a lot of my key staff didn't want to stay there. It was a very mm. transient place. It's not really somewhere you can make a life. You know, the nearest hospital was six hours away. There was yeah. no good schools, and we were all starting to have children. But Cape Town has that and also has a lot of things that I enjoy too. It's a good place for work-life balance. It certainly has its difficulties, but I think the biggest thing for me was it's got a much bigger labour pool of highly skilled people from the local community who are willing to stay and work in Cape Town. So that was very, very important. But probably the best thing about moving to Cape Town from my personal perspective was the networking opportunities that I got in Costa Rica. I had none. I had no opportunities to go out there and find a mentor and I think I suffered because of that. Two weeks ago we just took on an advisor to A Virtual which is a new company I've just started and his name is Andrew Valentine. He was the founder of Streetcar, majorly intelligent guy. I mean he's only joined us for a few meetings but he's now coming in once or twice a week to help me grow this business and just finding people like that is just incredible. 
And so it's inspired new beginnings. What is a virtual business? We supply personal assistance virtually to business leaders, entrepreneurs and small teams in Europe, but predominantly the UK. So there's a theme again, you're doing this remotely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess if one thing Costa Rica did teach me, it's how to manage teams remotely and things like that. So I took those skills to launch a virtual. What struck me very early on at Cape Town was actually how highly skilled a lot of the workforce are and how, because of the cost of living, salaries are so much lower. Is this your final destination, do you think? Or is there still something in you that says, someday I'm going to be... I would like to think so. I think the only reason it may not be, it will be because of family considerations. Yeah. There's a lot of positives when you marry someone from another country, but it's also very difficult as well because you know someone's always going to be separated from their family. Mm. And the US, Boston, where my wife's from, is a long way from Cape Town, and she does find that hard. But I hope so. We're very, very happy there. The children are happy. I think South Africa certainly has its problems, but I think because of that, there is massive opportunity there. McKinsey actually just published a report saying that the outsourcing industry is probably the biggest industry that South Africa should look at. And obviously that's something that I'm in now, and I thought I've got in quite early. So I'm very excited to see where that can go over the next few years. Nelson Phillips teaches entrepreneurship at Imperial College Business School in London. I asked for his advice on how to run a fast-growing global business and maintain a healthy home life. I think it's very common for entrepreneurs to become completely wrapped up in their business because they have so much to do and because they're so enthusiastic about it. At the same time, no one can work all the time and you need to have something else in your life. So successful entrepreneurs do manage some sort of balance. Maybe not always, not every month, not every week, but overall they have something else. Family, great, that's really important, provides stability, emotional support. But you also have to think about other things like physical fitness. I mean, these are corporate athletes uh, and they need to be able to be fit mentally and physically to keep up the pace. Right? At the same time, we see not high divorce rates among yes. entrepreneurs, so it shows that there's a strain there. Is there anything else that can support the, the family as well? Is it healthy to find other people to help? Yes, well, I mean, I think friendship networks are super important. The successful entrepreneurs that I know, they have networks of peers, people from often previous ventures that they worked with, who they stay in contact with, and who work as informal coaches and mentors this is very important. And I think the main thing is, if you're an entrepreneur, to recognize working all the time isn't the same as being successful. When you have a bit of a gap, take some time and do the things you need to do. You exercise, see your family, meet with your friends. You'll be much more effective when you come back the next day. What Richard achieved, in a way, going to Costa Rica, showing that really in this world of a connected economy of the internet, you can do business anywhere, although there are limits to that, you still need that physical interaction. I think we all dream of going to Costa Rica and sitting on the beach and working on our computer. The problem with that is entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial ventures need ecosystems. Uh, moving to Costa Rica and sitting on the beach is really good for work-life balance and for you know, going swimming and doing some surfing. But actually for your business, your business generally needs a whole array of, of support services, of, of networks of entrepreneurs who are doing the same kinds of things, financial institutions who can provide the kind of financing and, and offer liquidity events that you need, a whole array of things that make up an entrepreneurial ecosystem. So the nuclear option moving to Costa Rica, while being quite attractive, would be actually for many businesses very challenging. Where you're located is extremely important.
What lessons has Richard Walton learned from his experience? I think the power of networking is something that I didn't understand at a young age. I started my first business when I was 21. I had that wonderful kind of naive optimism, arrogance, you know. And that's a wonderful thing to have. And I think it's extremely important for an entrepreneur to have that because it is so hard. But I wish I'd brought in some more experience, wiser heads to help me on various aspects of the business. So I'd wish I'd done that a lot earlier. I wish I'd focus on my health a lot earlier. You know, there was probably maybe eight years that I was pretty unhealthy. And I think feeling how I do now and the benefits of that is definitely something I would have done. And I think probably just the value of hiring really good people. In this new business, A Virtual, what I've realized is that I'm really not only just selling the vision of the company and how they can get involved now and stay with us for a long term, I'm actually I'm attracting very, very good people who probably could go off and earn three times as much elsewhere. But they're not only just attracted to the opportunity that A Virtual has, but we also have a great work-life balance kind of procedures in place there. Very flexible hours, I give a lot of freedom, people can come in when they want, they can choose their hours, and that's very, very attractive to people. And what I've realised is that I think if you do give people more freedom and responsibility, it's as good as paying people a lot more. Mm. And I think that's really important for a startup when money is so tight that maybe, in, you know, okay, some people are driven by equity, but also a lot of people, I think, are just driven by more and more today about having a better balance in their lives and in the workplace and... And I've seen that, definitely. In the next episode, we meet a food entrepreneur who created one of the UK's most recognisable new brands of the last 30 years, but decided to exit the business and start all over again. You can catch up on previous episodes of FT Startup Stories by going to our special page, ft.com forward slash startup, where you can also find links to FT articles on entrepreneurship and business education. You can also take up our offer of a 25% discount on a subscription to the Financial Times by going to ft.com forward slash startup offer. Until next time, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.